warmest of festive greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching, where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. Today, we're exploring personal, social, health and economic education with a Christmas folktale from the Bible lands themselves. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon and with me today is... I'm Bex and um, I'm a Key Stage 2 teacher from a 2 form entry primary school in Cambridgeshire and I also help with initial teacher training as well. Hi, I'm Rob. Uh, I'm also a Key Stage 2 teacher and I've worked with Year 5 and 6 as well as Year 4 and Year 3. Abby Marison, I'm Education Programme Manager at Festival Bridge. And we're all very pleased to have you, our listener, joining us for our virtual Christmas party! Merry Christmas! <laughs> So for all the fun and effectiveness of story-led learning, let's don our finest Christmas jumpers, sprinkle some elf dust, and hang tight to our sleigh reins as we dive into this week's story. Have you ever wondered how Father Christmas manages to deliver presents to good children all over the world, even places that are too hot for reindeer? Well, Elsie, the little camel, certainly could not tell you, as Mummy and Daddy Camel would definitely put her on the naughty list. For example, when given the job of taking some wise men across the desert for an important birthday, she can't help but get distracted. So Mummy, Daddy, Grandpa and Grandma Camel each took a wise man onto their saddles. Elsie was left to pick up the presents. All 12 of them. They were heavy. Elsie could feel her hump getting squashed by the straps holding the bags of gifts against her sides and her hooves made deep prints in the sand as they began to cross the desert. And of course, it was hot and dry and dusty, so Elsie was sweating and panting and... Oh, look! Cactus! The moment she saw that cactus, she ran up to it and inspected it and sniffed it, while the other camels kept on going. And if you and your young learners want to see if Elsie ever makes it across the desert with her precious cargo, you can download our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for Come On Little Camel. There you can stream a video of me telling the story for your children. And if you sign up as an epic educator, you can also get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the remarkable Corky Paul, download the full audiobook anytime, and even pick up some tips for telling the story yourself. Right now, though, let's begin our discussion with everyone here by asking, folks, did you enjoy this? Oh, look, cactus! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it just reminded me of my Labrador whenever we go out for a walk, that stopping and sniffing. I, ju I just had this vision of this camel being exactly like my golden Labrador, just stopping and, and, and having to sniff every cactus. It was 
That's basically what a camel is, a Labrador with a hump. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was so sweet. It was lovely. Yeah, it's always nice to hear lots of different versions of of the traditional Christmas story, isn't it, from different perspectives. It's it's not the first one I've heard, but it's the first one I've heard with a camel as the the main character. (laughs) How about you, Bex? Um, I, I obviously really, really enjoyed it. I love Christmas and I love the Christmas story So, and I love different spins on it. Particularly, like as soon as I started reading it, I was like, oh, I know how this is going to end. I know what she's going to do. I know uh, that she's going to be an, one of our heroes mm-hmm. of the story. So I really, really enjoyed it. But I always hoped that she didn't get too close to the cactus so she didn't get like needles on her nose. Yeah. That's what I was worried about. <laughs> I really liked it as well. I liked the fact that, it, like we said, it's a different take on the christmas story and you see it from a different point of view obviously we know what happens at the end of the story but just to see it through another viewpoint was good well you say you 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 think you know um how it's going to end and and obviously there there are certain um very let's call them canonical elements to the nativity story but this uh, i i really wanted to show the middle eastern interpretation of christmas and I mean, that means there are more than three wise men. That means that um, you don't have the shepherds when you arrive because they're long gone by now. So did it present you with any surprises other than the occasional cactus needle? The fact there were elephants in the story, I was like, oh, that's not normal. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the fact there were more than three wise men as well, it was like we're we're so used to hearing the fact that there's only three and Mm. then to... Again, see it from a different viewpoint. It's like, oh, okay, there probably were more. Mm, And I think that's a huge opportunity with this particular story is being able to use it as a tool for all the different uh, understandings that the young people and their families would have at home Mm. from their own cultural background. Because um, I know that if you read about the Christmas story in the Bible, for instance, it does talk about the Magi. So uh, it does talk about the, so, so, you know, the origins for Chip's take on this is actually correct. There, there weren't three wise men, but it has become a very Western tradition that there were three. Mm. So it's it's really brilliant to think about other things from if you were uh, perhaps uh, a Jew or if you were a Muslim, how you might take the birth of Jesus or how you might take the story in another a new understanding again. So it's it's that being really multicultural, really understanding that everyone has a different viewpoint, including the camel, including anyone else as well. And none of them are, you know, more right than any others. They're, they're mm. all just as valid. Yeah. Yeah. Bex, you look like you wanted to jump in on the PSHE points. Oh, um, no, I was just I was just really interested in the discussion. Sometimes <laughs> you just sit back and just think, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> I, was going to, I was going to talk about the lobster from Love Actually and saying yeah. that you can have any, any type of animal you want in the Christmas story as long as you can, um, as long as you can kind of chisel them in a little bit. Yeah, because um, where where was the lobster? Because I, I don't know. Well, I mean, there was a scorpion in this story, so I completely forgot about the lobster. I'm so sorry, yeah, folks. I just that's what I was. That's honestly what I was thinking as I was reading this when I was thinking about scorpions and a lobster. <laughs> I, I forgot the chickens as well. I remember really distinctly um, when I was in primary school. Um, my part in the nativity play was a chicken, and I had to go on and, and peck up some seeds at some point. I have no idea why. <laughs> 
No. And every year we force children to do this, like to be, you know, the different, like you were saying, Abby, the different main character in the story that's not Jesus, but obviously um, mm. so that you can make it mm. applicable for all of those families and children that are involved in your school. So we've got a bird that's going to find the baby Jesus this year in our Christmas production. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's take this opportunity actually also to point out that this is our Christmas episode. So we're having a bit of a a Christmas party going on here. Um, I've actually got some homemade mulled wine with me right here, um, which could turn me into a very interesting podcast host by the time we get to the end of the recording. (laughs) Great. And Bex, you were sharing with us some of the Christmas decorations you've, uh, well, got for yourself at least. Yes. Um, I've got these very, very festive. Uh, I'm, I'm sad none of you can see them, but they're amazing Christmas tree glasses. Mm. Um, you can't really see out of them very well, so I tend not to wear them too much in school. And then some great little antlers. But I've, I've also got fairy lights on, um, but no one can see them. But just say <laughs> so you no know, to go Christmassy. So, got the fairy lights, got the antlers, got the glasses. What PSHE have you got? Well, um, through my very Christmassy glasses, I could spot um, these two great opportunities for PSHE um, that I think could be used across the school. Mm. I think at Christmas, it's a real time that we draw our schools together. So great opportunities to be doing things that are similar in all of our classes. And so I was thinking that um, our little camel in the story is quite an unlikely heroine. And I think you could link that all into like um, some of the RE that we're going to be talking about later in the week. And so she's quite an unlikely hero because she's the one that's always late she's the one that's always last she's the one that's always distracted Mm. and actually she's the one in the end that gets to deliver all the presents to all of the other people and all of the other children uh, in the middle east for the rest of time it seems Mm -hmm. um and she never you know she can never get old anymore because she's magic i'm thinking she's a magic camel now well yeah i'm I'm glad you've got that realization because there was a part of me getting to the end of this story the first time thinking is this really a reward to be given a a, a job (laughs) of going around delivering presents but yeah if it comes with eternal youth then yeah and i think she felt extremely special i think she did because she was chosen (laughs) um so i was thinking about there's so many unlikely heroes that we could look at as part of our phse sessions Mm -hmm. like loads of Um, local heroes so again linking it back to the pandemic and all those people that we forgot how important their jobs were and so we could be thinking of thinking back to that and just looking at unlikely heroes and also linked to kind of the unlikely heroes and the fact that she was an unlikely hero all of that about actually what do we do when we get distracted Um, and so thinking that would be a really good um, set of lessons for our children particularly in the build-up to christmas um <laughs> everybody's distracted by the sparkles and the christmas trees and the excitement and um, just thinking about what do you do if you're getting distracted because elsie knows that cactuses distract her but what has she done to think about how can i deal with that if i do get distracted by a cactus because there's quite a lot in the desert hmm. so i was just thinking about techniques for learning about what we get distracted by and how we can not be as distracted. Because I always get distracted by the the fridge. Like if I'm doing work from <laughs> home, always the fridge distracts me. Because there's food in there that I want to eat. But actually, if I move myself further away from the fridge, it's more difficult to get there. So like sharing some of those things with children and just the way that we can understand that we do get distracted by things, but then what do we do about it? And particularly like in classrooms, we know there's kids that annoy each other um, and ch- and children that are good mixes together, but actually mm. helping them to give them a little toolkit of things they could do if they're distracted. Well, Bex, shall I admit that I've eaten all the mince pies? <laughs> 
but I did have. <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. <laughs> there, did you get there were, A little bit, yeah. There were mince pies, but they were all gone. <laughs> That's why I didn't buy any Christmas food for this, because I knew yep. I'd be chomping it and wouldn't ever be able to <laughs> yeah, that was wise. ever have anything to say. So you knew that would distract you. So yeah. you, you, there yeah. you go. I did. And you can make this really purposeful as well, can't you? Because mm. if Elsie is going to be doing this really important job for Mary for however long, for the rest of time, she is going to have to conquer that mm. um, problem of getting distracted. Because, I mean, I, I I think according to the Bible, you can be forgiven something like 77 times. So she's got 77 Christmases to get it right, hasn't she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could start there. with. We talk often, don't we, on, um, on this podcast about the power of storytelling where the children put themselves in a character's place and then feel safer to then look at themselves. Yes, so yeah. we can start off with that discussion of, okay, she's getting distracted by cactuses. What could she do? How could you help, like, being an agony aunt, perhaps further up the school? Mm. Dear, you know, I'm a camel. I'm struggling to be because I'm constantly distracted by cactuses. What should I do? And the children can, like... Um, talk back to her but you can start off with Elsie's problem is cactuses what's yeah, yours that's so really yeah I completely nice. agree you could use that really bespokely if you did have a child who was really finding mm. it hard to listen to the teacher or, or something to actually just then use that particular story to help address that mm. yeah. have like little what would Elsie badges or what would Elsie yes. do badges it ties in nicely with one of the things I picked up as well managing distractions I wrote down and I was like, oh, yeah, well, Bex, you, I mean, you've covered it there perfectly, but I would have done it more like a, a circle time where you go, okay, we know that we've all got distractions, whether it's the fridge, whether it's the sport that's on TV, whatever it is, but how do we manage ourselves to make sure we don't become taken away from the main task that we've got? Mm. And so, like, it's quite a, like an honest circle. What What are you distracted by and how can you make sure that you avoid those distractions just out of curiosity would you would you do like a i suppose a strengthening exercise by actually putting a fridge or a cactus or something in your classroom <laughs> um, and saying okay well we've talked about um avoiding distractions now now we've got to put some of that in into practice and not go anywhere near this cactus slash fridge slash sparkly lights or whatever it is i probably wouldn't put a fridge in but i would take um from what the children said to me and go okay well let's see if we if we've got any of those things already in the classroom or if it's something we can bring in easily then yes mm. let's bring some of that in and go all right but, but you're not allowed near that until you've completed the task or you've done at least seven questions or something like that gotcha and abby i think there's a nice opportunity for either a display or uh, an actual cactus in the classroom where you put post-it notes, probably the adult doing this because of how prickly it's going to be, and actually pin them okay. to the, the spikes on the cactus going, okay, we know these are our issues. And then you can mm. refer to it if you know a child is doing those those niggly little things or if, if they're clicking their pen or if they're doing something that's stopping them from concentrating on their work that they know is an issue, you can just you know, point to the cactus and it's okay, yeah. let's let's use this as our, as our reminder tool for mm. how we have to refocus. And maybe also as a scoreboard. So yeah. every single time you manage to overcome a distraction, you can actually put the put a post-it note on the cactus. Mm. It, it, it could even be one of your ways of overcoming a distraction to sort of write down, okay, I know that thing over there is distracting me. Write it down, put it on the cactus. Right, I've put it to one side now. Kind of like what some cultures have as the practice of burning uh, uh, or setting setting fire to your troubles, mm. your you know memories that you want to get rid of. So something like that. 
Did you have anything else to add, Abby, on the PSHE front? Yeah, PSHE. So I took a different, slightly different uh, approach to, to this with this story. And I think this story really lends itself beautifully because of some of the language that it uses to, to do this with younger children. So uh, early years in Key Stage 1, really focusing on the phrase chin up. Mm. And, you know, chin up, Elsie, chin up, Elsie. And actually, what phrases do people use with you? So actually giving them that vocabulary and exploring that and giving a lot of scaffolding around, you know, um, other ways you can say to someone to to perk up or whatever. Uh, and, and you could draw out ones that they've never heard of, ones that maybe they use with friends and family. And I, I had this um, visual image of a camel family tree on a display board. So you've got grandma, camel, granddad, camel, cousin, camel, um, and and actually exploring some of the feelings and emotions that are uh, shared in the story. So, you know, th- there were a couple of times in the story, right at the beginning and then towards the end, where it's the camels are very stern and they're very angry and, and mm. actually use this camel family tree to explore, well, who are you today? Are you granddad camel? Are you feeling a bit angry and a bit, or, or are mm. you mummy camel and you're very generous and very, because quite often, um, particularly since the pandemic, you know, young people are encouraged to really talk about how they're how they're feeling and, mm. and how they're, and, and this is really good practice for children and adults actually just to say, you know, today's not a great day and, and I'm feeling like this, but I know I'm still going to get on with what I need to get on with. But bringing that well-being to the fore with this particular story and giving them an opportunity to say, this is just where I am today so that everyone knows it and, and using this story to explore some of those feelings that are perfectly fine to, to have. Yeah, so kind of like uh, turning the family tree into an emotion map. Yeah. yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, something that just popped into my head from what what Bex has just shared about uh, Elsie as the heroine is if you wanted to link uh, music making into into this, you could think of the the song Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer and actually have Elsie the something camel. And what would fit in there, and, and actually try and uh, and and make a whole song, putting Elsie in that in that space of of that song. Yeah, <laughs> love it. <laughs> and that really actually fits with your own idea as well, doesn't it? About thinking about how you would describe the emotions or the the personalities of these characters. Mm. But he, but I, it depends if Elsie has a prominent feature like a red nose. Could it be? Elsie the green-eared camel or or how where would the children take that <laughs> oh, I see uh, so, so you'd still keep it physical rather oh than, yeah yeah yeah, okay. yeah and then and make that the you know the distinct thing about Elsie so that you could really tell that when all the camels are being seen in the desert you can see which one's the one going to be having the presence delivering I think Elsie's only real um, distinguishing quality is that she keeps being the one who gets all of the baggage so I don't know Elsie the cacti munching Gang <laughs> time munching. Yeah, that works too. They're like holes in her nose or something from the needles. <laughs> yeah. It's poking her nose in them. But I can I can just feel a little dizzy coming on. Yeah. <laughs> um so I picked up um I think with the year five and six children, the upper end of key stage two, you wouldn't have to you could identify almost the what things can you hear in the story. And the ones I picked up were um, perseverance and gratitude mm. um, and again what I would probably do is do it maybe over a couple of mornings but just to circle and go okay we're going to think about this part of the story where 
Elsie's shown perseverance. She's kept on going. She hasn't gone, oh, here's a cactus. It looks really tasty. I'm just going to stop. She's kept on going. And then, mm. again, reflects back to things that the children have done to show perseverance or how they could show perseverance in the classroom. Um, and again, coming up to Christmas time, we're thinking about gratitude. We're thinking about thanking people. We're thinking about yes, feeling really yeah. special and happy. Mary, in the story, said, oh, Elsie, you've bought the gifts. Thank you. You are, you're, you're the one. Um, how can the children show gratitude to each other? How ways do, which ways do we show gratitude to each other? And how could we find different ways of doing that? And yeah. maybe not just within like upper key stage two, but how could you show the younger children gratitude as mm -hmm. well? So kind of get them really to reflect on themselves. That's all we have time for today, folks. If you try out any of these ideas, or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners, let us know on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can enjoy effective and lifelong learning. Tomorrow, Elsie will help us teach English. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio, and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! cheerio. And we and hope, we hope to, hear to hear your story, your story soon. soon.